Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game podcast from the Wolves' blowout win over the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday evening. We'll talk about what went right for the Wolves in this one. Yes, they ended up winning by 20-plus, but also what some of the struggles were overcoming foul trouble issues, which have become a little bit more prevalent of late. We'll also talk about how good Mike Conley and some other elements of the Wolves' offense were. It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code, all lowercase, NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend and a fantastic Hopefully long holiday weekend. This is a Victory Monday, the postgame podcast for the Wolves win over the Memphis Grizzlies on the road on Sunday. We're going to break down all the pros and cons about this one. We'll talk individual studs and duds later in the show. Um, Some really good things on both sides of the ball for the Wolves and overcoming a bit of adversity in terms of foul trouble, etc. So we'll go through all that here on the show today. A big thank you here off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two C, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. I promise I know how to spell my name. Um, so anyway, at Lockdown T-Wolves or at B-Beacon. All right, let's get into... The game against Memphis on Sunday, and this was like obviously Memphis comes into this game three and twelve. They're zero and seven at home. You know, laundry list of who's who of guys that aren't available. Of course, no John, no Stephen Adams. Uh, you know, the list the list goes on and on and on. They've got, you know, of course, Marcus Smart, um, Jake Laravia, Xavier Tillman. Like it's like six to eight rotation caliber type guys that are missing. Of course, you still got the reigning defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr., and you've got a 20-plus point per game score in Desmond Bain. So still a dangerous team, but other than those two, there probably isn't anybody else that currently is in their rotation that should be playing rotation minutes on a on a on like a playoff team, right? I mean, you could argue, well, I don't know. I, want to get, I don't want to get into that game. I mean, David Roddy, you know, maybe, Zyra Williams, maybe. But it's just not, it, it clearly is, the depth of this team right now as currently constructed is that of a three and 12 team. It just is still early after earlier than normal afternoon tip 5 PM central for the wolves, a one game road trip before going back home for a couple of games after spending three games at home, a tough loss on Friday night against Sacramento disappointing loss. Uh, Anthony Edwards added to the injury report on Sunday with back spasms. He was questionable to play. So there were a lot of factors that I think justifiably You'd be justified as a Wolves fan if you were a little bit nervous, a little bit apprehensive about this game. And it ended up being a 22-point win. So if you look at the box score, you feel pretty good about that. But it wasn't quite that easy. Even though the Wolves led by right around 20 for the majority of the game, um, this thing featured a couple of pushes for Memphis and some, some, I would say, worrying trends that showed up in this game for the Wolves. So real quickly, the Wolves got up big. It was like 15-3 to to start the game. And, uh, I mean... I. 
like Memphis calls two quick, t- Taylor Jenkins calls two quick early timeouts. It's 15-3. Memphis pushes back, though, and, um, you know, makes this thing a game, right? Like, so at the end of the first quarter, it's a, it's a five-point Wolves lead. They expand that in the second quarter. There starts to be a bit of foul trouble cropping up. You get, uh, I think, all three bigs, if I'm not mistaken. All three centers end up with three fouls before halftime. And so that like a bit of a red flag there. Third quarter, the Wolves further expand their lead. They end up by, where are they up by? I think 23 going to the fourth quarter. So it feels like it's basically over. Memphis goes on a couple of big runs though. And it gets all the way down to a 12 point game with like five, what was left? 5.50 left. Uh, I think Bain hit a three or something. And it's, it's a five, excuse me, a 12 point game with five minutes and 50 seconds left. Chris Finch calls a timeout. And from that point forward, it was all Wolves. Wolves come out of the timeout. They run a few set plays, which was, you know, nice. It's nice to see them able to execute. Like, I, I'm all for Chris Finch's preferred offensive style of, you know, putting up the bumpers and letting Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns just kind of go to work. Occasionally needed to generate touches for Cat. And then when needed, Mike Conley takes over the keys of the offense, right? But when you've given up a, an 8 0 run and it's a 12 point game against one of the worst teams in the league, and you have a chance to just put him away. You got to run a play and put him away. Nikhil Alexander Walker gets an open three pointer. He makes it. Uh, Bain misses on the other end. Cat pulls down a rebound. Then Conley hits another three. He hit five threes in this game. And now all of a sudden it's an eighteen point game again. The teams go back and forth. Ant gets a dunk, and it's back to twenty points. Little mini kind of resistance and push from Memphis. And then after that, it was basically just defense from the Wolves. Wolves didn't do much else offensively until garbage time the last couple of minutes, but the Wolves just had some impressive defensive possessions locked down in a way they hadn't done since really the second quarter. I think the defense was was pretty spotty for much of the second half for the Wolves, uh, but that, that's when this thing ended, right? It was a 19-point game with two minutes to play when both coaches emptied their benches and it became actual garbage time. So in terms of the game flow, the like the the, the main things for me were the Wolves kind of withstood this early Memphis push, built this thing back up to a 20-plus point lead at halftime, and then withstood the late push after you know keeping this 20-point lead for the bulk of the second and third quarters. It gets back to 12 with under six to play, and the Wolves push right back and, and eventually put it away, which was great to see. Related to that, Jaron Jackson Jr. was extremely quiet until late in this game. In fact, he wasn't even that good defensively until late in this game. He had a couple of late steals, a couple of late blocks, but both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns bullied him in the post um, and, and did a great job, you know, getting to the rim and scoring on him in the first half of this game. Now, of course, his activity was part of the reason the Wolves ended up, it was really Jackson and, and actually, in terms of activity level, more Bismack Biombo. They combined for only nine rebounds, Jackson Jr. and Biombo did, but it felt like a lot more because of their activity, the, the, the number of fouls that they drew on the Wolves' bigs. So that was a bit of a challenge, but Jaron Jackson shot four of 14 from the field. Um, again, I don't think his impact was all that significant defensively until the later stages of the game when Memphis was making that run in the fourth quarter. Um, and Desmond Bain, until he hit a couple of late threes, he was like a non-factor. And even still, he finished with 13 points on 16 shots. An ultra inefficient game for Desmond Bain. He also had four assists to five turnovers. He had the flagrant foul on Nas Reed, got in each other's faces. They each got a technical. Then he got called for the offensive foul, veering in front of Conley in transition. And for whatever reason, Memphis challenges that, even though we've seen that called, you know, I mean, D'Lo got called for it. It felt like every other week uh, when he was in a Wolves uniform. It's one of those things that's 
become much more of a thing, right? After Chris Paul used to draw fouls on that all the time. Like Desmond, just not a good Bane game. And he's obviously a very good player. Somebody I really liked in the draft a few years ago. Um, and I was, I was surprised he lasted till what, like the last pick of the first round. Um, and, and he's a legitimately good player, but the Wolves, like the Alexander Walker did to him pretty similarly to what he did last Wednesday to Tyrese Maxey, right? A shorthanded Sixers team, a team the Wolves should have beaten no Joel Embiid, and they did beat pretty handily, but they still had Tyrese Maxey and Alexander Walker in the absence, again, no Jade McDaniels, right? In the absence of McDaniels, he locked down Maxey last Wednesday. The Wolves weren't quite able to do the same thing against De'Aaron Fox and the uh, the Kings on Friday, but back at it against Bain and the Grizzlies on Sunday, a fantastic defensive job, and not just Alexander Walker. I want to talk a little bit about the defense in the paint here in a little bit, too, um, but what, well, yeah, the defense of the paint mostly as part of my key takeaways. So we'll do that next. Now, let's do key takeaways. I've got, I guess, three key takeaways and then we'll get into individual studs and duds. And that's what we'll do here. The rest of the show today. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at prize picks. Prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season well underway now, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, which is a league created specifically for combo projections. You could take two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could take LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 point combo, three-pointers made, plus receptions. You could take more than or less than that 10.5 number. And actually, Monday's a great time to play this. No Wolves game Monday night, but of course, lots of NBA action. Plus, you get... Um, you get Monday Night Football, right? So it's a perfect time to play that. You can also uh, take advantage of the reboot policies. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, you can have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second that then is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com slash NBA and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepix.com slash NBA code NBA for that first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's talk. My key takeaways from this Wolves game ended up being a 22-point win. Wolves over the Grizzlies. In general, the Wolves played good defense. I feel like I'm saying in general a lot, but in general, the Wolves played good defense in this game. I I talked about how it was a little spotty in the second half, but early it was very good. Late, second half of the fourth quarter was very good. In fact, after that timeout at the 550, 550 mark, when Memphis had pulled to within 12 points, Memphis had 90 points. They scored seven points over the final six minutes of this game and missed a boatload of shots. And of those seven, what? Uh, four of them were in actual garbage time. So they scored three points over the next five and a half minutes when the Wolves ultimately pulled away and made this thing a, a 20 plus point lead that ultimately was a 22 point final definite or final, um, I guess, advantage, final winning margin for the Wolves. So yeah, Memphis was a, a terrible offensive team coming into this game. They were 29th in offensive rating coming into the game, 30th in overall field goal percentage, 29th in three point percentage, although they shoot a ton of threes. Um, they didn't get to the line often. Like, there's nothing really good about this Memphis offense. Um, 
except for Desmond Bain, who's shooting only 36% from three after being one of the league's best shooters the last couple of years. So he's having a, a tough time from outside the arc. Um, and like, other than that, it's just volume scoring from, uh, you know, I guess smarts out, but otherwise I was going to say Marcus smart, but Derek Rose, uh, the, like there just isn't much flow to the Memphis offense. So all those caveats aside, you still have to play defense and the wolves did a good job for most of the game, driving the field goal percentage down only 38.6% from the floor for Memphis in this game, 27% from three. And the only thing that really kept them in the game was again, this is a team that doesn't draw a ton of fouls. Uh, doesn't get to the line a ton. They were 26th in offensive free throw rate. Memphis was coming into this game, 26th in free throw attempts per game. And the Wolves gave up, allowed them to shoot 27 free throws in this game. So again, an issue, the foul trouble stuff. I want to talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but um, that was the only thing that kept them in the game, which is a bit of a troubling trend for Minnesota. But other than that, the Wolves did a good job defensively overall. They did a really good job on Bain, as we just talked about. And I thought they were good enough in the paint. Um, I thought they did a good job collapsing on Memphis, anytime they did get into the paint, the Wolves ended up being a plus 10, no, excuse me, plus 12 points in the paint, 48 points in the paint for the Wolves, 36 for Memphis. And uh, that's a that's a really good sign, especially when you had Gobert and Cap both in foul trouble and Nas in some foul trouble too. Both Gobert and Cap, I mean, Gobert played 25 minutes in this game. Cap played only 26 minutes. And the Wolves' interior defense, I thought was solid. It was good enough. Uh, the fouling was a bit of an issue, yes. But again, like, We'll talk, we'll talk in a second here what kind of trends there are or maybe are not, surprisingly, in terms of Wolves fouling habits and winning and losing games. Not that it's necessarily sustainable, but the interior defense was good enough in this game. They did a good job collapsing on Memphis when they had the ball in the paint. There were a couple of possessions where Memphis got two, three, four bites at the apple. The Wolves kept giving up offensive rebounds. But you look at the box score at the end of the game, they only, I mean, 11's not great, giving up 11 offensive rebounds, but it wasn't actually quite as bad as I thought it would be and uh, in general, the Wolves rebounded the ball pretty well in this game. Um, which actually, that's another one of my key takeaways, by the way, is doing enough on the glass as a team. The Wolves were a plus seven on the glass. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll, show, I'll throw up some of the box score stats here. The Wolves were a plus seven on the glass in this game. And, uh, you know, 11 of those 35 rebounds for Memphis were offensive rebounds. So a few too many second chance opportunities for Memphis, but... Um, Again, enough as a team. No individual player on the Wolves had more than eight rebounds. Nobody had more than eight rebounds. Cat had eight. Rudy Gobert only four rebounds in 25 minutes. Anthony Edwards had five. And then Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed off the bench each had six. So, again, good enough is the phrase I keep using. Good enough in terms of team rebounding in this game for Minnesota. And uh, that kind of helped the Wolves maintain that edge on the glass. Uh, or I should say... And help the Wolves seal the deal defensively. They just did enough defensive rebounding-wise. Um, and then my last key takeaway from this one was the offense was balanced and had good ball, good ball movement, excuse me, especially early in the game. Mike Conley came out ready to play. He made a three on the Wolves' first possession in his old stomping grounds, spent, what, seven, eight years in Memphis, um, was six of nine outside the arc, six of 11 overall from the floor. So all of his makes were were from three and made one on his very first possession, had 10 assists, only two turnovers in this game. He was a big reason for, as always, when the Wolves had good ball movement, Mike Conley's a big piece of it. Anthony Edwards was really good early or scored a bunch early, I should say, was pretty quiet in the second half. And he had one of his better overall lines. We'll talk about Ant when we get to studs and duds because this didn't feel like a heavy Ant game, 
But then you look up and he leads the team in scoring. He's second on the team in assists. He's third on the team in rebounding. He gets the line seven times. It just wasn't a super high usage ant game. And it was kind of refreshing to see because the Wolves offense moved the ball really well. They shot 53% from the field, 44% from three, got to the line 23 times and scored 119 points in this game against Memphis, um, who, by the way, is actually, you know, middle of the pack defensively, right? It's, it's, their offense has been terrible, but they've been middle of the pack defensively. And of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a big reason for that. And, and no Marcus Smart, of course, hurts that. Um, but all that to say, this offense, it wasn't just like a, hey, let's roll the ball out and, and, and you know, give it to Ant and tell him he's got to save us game. This was a well-rounded offensive attack. Three players with 18 or more points, five players in double figures, including one off the bench. Um, everyone that played for the Wolves, including garbage time score. There was just this mentality of sharing the basketball throughout the game. As a team, 30 assists, which which is a, a good number, right? 30 assists to 14 turnovers. Turnovers number's a little high, but um, you know there were some, I don't want to say uncharacteristic because it, it has been issue, an issue in the past, but some um, ill-timed offensive fouls kind of mixed in there that 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 uh, caused that turnover number to ratchet up. Um, actually, let's talk about that. I'm done with the key takeaways. Those are my three, right? The, the, the team rebounding, the overall good team defense and and good job protecting the paint, even you know despite the foul trouble for Rudy and Cat, and then also good ball movement on offense in a balanced offensive game. Credit to Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards, especially for that. Um, a, a quick, I guess, negative takeaway here is the foul troubles resurfacing for the Wolves as a team. This has happened a little bit more lately, and I actually talked about it. I think it was Friday show when I was previewing the Sacramento game on Friday night. I spent the first couple segments of the show on Friday talking about the Wolves defense and how sustainable it is. And one of my concerns was was fouling, that the Wolves have begun to foul at a rate more in line with what they did all of last year versus earlier this season when they just weren't committing that many fouls and not allowing too many free throw attempts for opponents. Um, as of now, coming into the game against Memphis, they're still fifth in free throw attempts per field goal attempts for opponents, which is a really good number. They're doing a good job at avoiding fouling or at avoiding free throw attempts. They are 13th in terms of fouls per game coming into play against Memphis. That both those numbers are going to go up or go in the wrong direction, I should say. So they're fouling, but they're not allowing a ton of free throw attempts. So that's a good thing, right? However, if you look at cleaning the glass and you look at their free throw rate on defense, that has been going in the wrong direction. Um, I, I said I'll kind of repeat what I said Friday is cleaning the glass does this thing, if you're not familiar, where if it's, uh, they, they do a percentile for each of the stats. And if it's a percentile that's on the positive side, right, like 51st percentile or greater, it's a warmer color, right? Like an, a darker orange, the higher it is. And a cold color is um, is bad, right? It's below 50%, 50th percentile. So in the first, what was this? The first eight games, the Wolves had orange or neutral in seven of the first eight games. And of course, they started the season, what? Six and two through the first eight. Since then, four of the last uh, four of the last seven games leading into the Memphis game have been in the blue, meaning they're fouling too much. And of course, we've seen them have a couple of bad losses in there. But weirdly enough, those losses were not games in which they fouled or allowed too many free throws. It was the Phoenix loss when they, I mean, part of that was just they allowed Phoenix to shoot a ridiculous percentage from the field. So they weren't even playing enough defense to commit fouls. And then the Sacramento loss Friday, they didn't give up too many free throw attempts either. It was the games that they won against Philly and the Knicks and the Pelicans uh, in the golden one of the Golden State games where they gave up a ton of free throw attempts, but they still won those games. So 
I'm worried that there's a bit of fool's gold here and it's going to catch up with the Wolves eventually. They're fouling a lot. It's not leading to that many free throws. And when it does, they're still winning. I don't know how sustainable that is. And there is certainly something to, if you're playing close, tight defense, you're uh, you're going to commit more fouls. And that was the case with the team a couple of years ago with Vando and Patrick Beverly. They fouled a lot, but they played pretty good defense overall because they were so aggressive, right? In general, though, that's not super sustainable. Um, I do think we're going to see this Wolves opponent free throw rate go in the wrong direction. I think they're going to allow more free throws. And I said this Friday, I still think the Wolves defense will be a top five defense when it's all said and done because they're good at everything else. And, and, and eventually McDaniels will come back, hopefully in the next 10 days or so. The defensive rebounding should be solid. They've got enough perimeter defenders. I think they can overcome it because they can drive the field goal percentage from the field down. And so my take is they're going to allow more free throws. The defense probably won't be the best defense all season long um, in terms of defensive rating. But I think the opponent field goal percentage thing is going to be similar because they've just got a lot of length and they're active defensively. So um, I think both are true where it's it's worrisome because it's not a good thing to allow more free throws. But I think in in general, the defense is sustainable. This, is, this game was another example of that where they allowed too many free throw attempts. Uh, Minnesota gave up 27 free throw attempts to Memphis, only had 23 of their own, but they also only, uh, they allowed a sub 39% shooting night from Memphis and a 27% from three and to held them to 97 points. The fifth opponent, I believe this year that scored less than hundred against the Wolves. So like, this is the perfect, perfect example of, of the point I was making on Friday. So that's something to track. We'll keep an eye on it moving forward for sure. I want to get an individual studs and duds, and that's how we'll close the show here today. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. We are at like the, what, two-thirds to three-quarters poll for the NFL season. Um, you know, last bye weeks, I think, are this week coming up. So, Thursday night foot, well, Monday night tonight. You've got Thursday night later this week. You got a packed Sunday. Um, college football championship games, conference championship games later this week, too. I think I think pretty much all of the conference championships are this week. Get a couple weeks off before you get into bowl season. So this is the best time of year because you've still got everything going on. The the height of the NBA season, in-season tournament next week, um, or I should say the quarterfinals, uh, the quarters, the semis, and the, uh, the finals all next week from Vegas. So um, lots of exciting action to check out over on FanDuel. The app is extremely easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to continue a fantastic season of NFL football. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's close this thing out with individual studs and duds for Wolves-Grizzlies on Sunday. Number one has to be Mike Conley. He was fantastic in this game. 18 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds. 6 of 11 shooting, 6 of 9 outside the arc. One of his two-point misses was just a, a wide-open finger roll layup that he just just back-rimmed out. I don't remember the other one, but um, pretty much all threes. Came out firing, hit a three in the Wolves' first possession, hit a big three late as the Wolves were building that lead back up to 20 points. It went, you know, They went on an 8-0 run to push it from 12 to 20, and Mike hit a three as part of that. 10 assists to only two turnovers. He was a plus 8 in 32 minutes, and I think his steadying hand was, was important as Memphis made a couple of those runs. Um, but again, the offensive ball movement, it was so good at this game, and a huge credit goes to Mike Conley for that, for sure. Also, Anthony Edwards, a stud in this game, a relatively quiet game, but you look at his line, 24-7-5, and 
8 of 14 shooting, 7 of 7 at the line, only attempted four threes, was 1 of 4 outside the arc, 7 assists to 2 turnovers, was a team best and obviously game high, plus 23, which the next best plus minus for the Wolves was a plus 17. So he had by far the best plus minus for whatever that's worth. Individual game, single player plus minus is very noisy. I acknowledge that. But this is a strong mark when it's when it's significantly, you know, out of line one way or the other. I think it's it's worth pointing out. And to go along with a 24, seven and five mark, 24 points on 14 shots. That's phenomenal from Anthony Edwards. This was just a and early he did some damage, but he was pretty quiet throughout. And it was just kind of like picking his spots here and there, had some tough shots early. But again, middle stages of the game as the Wolves pulled away a little bit. He was relatively quiet. So I, I was impressed with, you know, looking up and looking at, and seeing that box score line. It just felt very under control. And of course, he had the back spasms coming in. So hopefully that's something that um, can quiet down here in the next couple of days as the Wolves get ready for their last pool play game in, in the in-season tournament Tuesday night against Oklahoma City. Um, my third stud for this game, I, I don't know. Like, Cat was efficient. I, I don't really want to give it to Cat in this game, honestly, because I feel like there was just a little bit too much all over the place from him. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll go with Nas Reed. Um, Nas had 12 and six in this game, four of nine shooting, one of two on threes, 22 minutes played off the bench. He also got in Desmond Bain's face after Bain kind of gave him a little elbow, not a little elbow, a big elbow shoulder in transition and knocked him over, kind of blindsided him. Ultimately was called for flagrant. Nas stuck up for himself as I'd expect he would. Uh, and, and they got double technicals on the play and then later got to dunk on Desmond Bain. He slipped the screen, got a nice pass from Conley and just threw it down on, on Bain's head, which was, which was fun to see. So a nice little push there from Nas in the fourth as the Wolves were again, rebuilding that lead. I thought he he played one of his better games in recent weeks. He's been a little bit quieter recently, and it was good to see him get twelve and six in a game where Cat and Rudy only played you know barely played fifty minutes combined, and Rudy had only four rebounds, and the Bulls just needed an interior presence, and Nas did a lot of the Cat light stuff, right? The 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 reasonable facsimile, if you will, of Carl Anthony Towns, and that's what Nas was in this game. Um, so I thought he was really good. Real quick on Towns, he was good. Like to be clear, he was good. Eighteen and eight. 7 of 11 shooting. It's hard to ask for much more. He turned it over four times. I think two of them were offensive fouls. Um, we saw some of the stray voltage stuff, right? Like both him and Rudy were getting called for fouls left and right. It, it was a little absurd, but most of them were fouls. Um, it, it just was, what was weird to me was not that they were getting called, but that Memphis wasn't getting called for fouls because it was just, I mean, they were like, there were too many whistles in this game, period. But it just seemed, I don't know. It, it seemed a bit off, but you have to, you have to adjust to how the game is being officiated. And, and Cat, I think, was it got in his head a bit in this one. But in general, a good game from Carl Anthony Towns. Not quite stud-worthy, but a good game. Um, again, and I think this is the second straight game, I don't have any duds. Like, Shake Milt was good. He's often been, a, you know, a, a frequent dud so far this season. But I thought this was a good game for him, especially the first half. He played really well. Knocked down a three. Had some good defensive possessions. Um, had a couple good hit-ahead passes. Troy Brown Jr., really good minutes off the bench. As well, six points, four rebounds, a couple of made threes, all of his shot attempts coming from three-point range, a couple of offensive boards. Kyle Anderson, another good game against a former team. Um, oh, I should mention Leonard Miller. He played two minutes of garbage time, had um, had a bucket, a couple of boards, and an assist, a nice pass to Josh Minot, a really nice reverse layup that he kind of lurked in the dunker spot, got the pass, made the layup. Um, I could have sworn he was going to get credit for a block, but he had a nice defensive play in there too that almost looked like a block to me live. Um, but it, it was 
a, a really nice kind of two minute burst from Leonard Miller, and he continues to look like a a more skilled version of Jared Vanderbilt, maybe like a Vando cross with Kyle Anderson, if that makes any sense at all. Point forward type. Um, you know, you can go back and listen to my comps from him this summer from this summer, but um, I'm excited to potentially see more of him. It's going to be next year probably, but I like the length, the athleticism, Leonard Miller, uh, Josh Minot, man, there's a lot waiting in the wings here. Uh, see what I did there? Waiting in the wings, eh, forward, waiting in the forwards for the, for a lot of forwards waiting in the wings. I don't know, whatever for the wolves here coming, uh, coming in the next couple of years. All right. Um, I think that's all I got from this one. We talked about the stats already. I'll, I'll throw them up real quick. But again, holding Memphis under 100 points, under 40% from the field, under 39% from the field. Uh, you know, out three-point shooting a team, which doesn't happen very often for the Wolves, and withstanding some turnover issues and some foul issues because they were good enough on the glass, good enough in the paint, a plus 12 in the paint. Um, so really good to see that from the Wolves. Next up, the Wolves take on the Oklahoma City Thunder back at Target Center on Tuesday night. There is a path still for them to make the uh, to to make the quarterfinals in Vegas. I believe they have to win and win by enough and also have, I think, Golden State lose, if I remember right. I'll look that all up and talk about it on Tuesday's show, but the point differential basically could come into play as a tiebreaker here if the Wolves do win. They have to beat OKC on Tuesday. OKC's out of it already, but um, anyway. So back at Target Center Tuesday night. Um, again, the schedule has lightened up a little bit. We've seen that be an issue for the Wolves in past seasons, especially last year, but they get OKC this week. They get Utah. OKC is obviously not an easy game, but um, OKC Tuesday, then Utah, then at Charlotte, at New Orleans, at Dallas, home for Indiana, at Miami. Um, you know, a couple of wins in there. The Wolves should be favored in really all of these games, at least for the next week or so. Um, so Tuesday, we'll preview the Thunder matchup. We'll, you know, take a look again at, at where the defensive numbers st- stand for the Wolves in the wake of game the the loss to the Kings on Friday when they gave up 124 points and then holding Memphis to 97 on Sunday. What do those numbers look like? What are they telling us um, after the last couple of games? And again, previewing the game against OKC, Chet coming to town on Tuesday. And of course, SGA, Chet, of course, the Minnesota ties. But um, excited to see the, the battle of the cousins, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Nikki Alexander-Walker on Tuesday night as well. Um, all right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on YouTube and on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.